Hey everybody, welcome. My name is Matthew. Thank you so much for joining. Today I'm going to continue looking at the Federal Reserve's weekly balance sheet over its entire history, almost 109 years. And today I'm going to take a look at the liability side of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet. In other words, that is where you find the money. Okay, so here we are again, the Federal Reserve balance sheets. Over the last couple videos, I showed you how this thing has grown, really from one distinct monetary epoch that was everything before 2008, until the latest and craziest monetary epoch that is everything post-2008. It's not really hard to see, uh, even not looking at log scale, just looking generally, you can see that there's this general trend and then things explode from here. You remember in the first video, and I think even in the last video about this, I said that you're not really mistaken if you call this the printing press, that is the entirety of the Fed's balance sheet, the entirety of any central bank's balance sheet, that is their total assets. You're not really mistaken to call it that, but it's not fully precise. So I'm going to be very precise here and show you exactly what it means to say printing money or the printing press uh, or base money or the monetary base or central bank money. All of that is located on the central bank balance sheet, but it's not the total balance sheet. It's not total assets. So again, what do they do uh, when the central bank wants to print money into society? Uh, they literally just create it ex nihilo. They create it out of thin air. And what do they do with that? they buy assets from the banking system. They don't buy them directly from the treasury. They go into the market. This is called open market operations. They go into the market, uh, the secondary market, the free market, kind of free market, uh, when you have so many banking licenses and monopolies uh, existing in the system. Nonetheless, they go into the market and they buy treasuries. They buy bonds from the banks. And that's how money gets into the system. That's how the modern fiat monetary system works. Uh, again, I kind of feel like I have to say this every once in a while. I'm not defending the central bank. I'm not a fan of central banking. Never have been, really, once I started to learn about this stuff. Uh, nonetheless, it's important to understand what they're doing, what they might have done, uh, perhaps good, considering their mandate, and what they have done, more often than not, wrong, <laughs> considering their mandate. And uh, that's what I'm going to talk about a little bit more in the next few videos. But in this one, I just want to be very, very simple, concrete, precise. Let's show you how the money actually looks, the central bank money. Okay. And it's comprised of two things. I have already discussed this on my monetary base and M0 and vault cash videos in the past. And please do check out those videos if you want to see more. Those were on a monthly basis and I didn't show you as much history as I have here. This is a weekly basis for the entirety, nearly the entirety of the Federal Reserve, 109 years or so of history. So this is what we had before. It was in green, green shaded area before. Now I'm gonna show you it in black, total assets of the central bank. All right, and most of the time when you think of what a central bank does, i.e. they print money, you're going to think about those little pieces of paper 
that uh, they have control of. In the United States' case, that is called the dollar. In the UK's case, it's called the pound sterling. Uh, in the European Central Bank's case, it's called the euro. In Sweden's case, in Denmark and Norway, they all have a variation of this. It's called the krona or the kroner. Uh, so on and so forth. In the Japanese central bank's case, it's called the yen. In the People's Bank of China's case, uh, which is a very opaque, because of course they're communist central bank, it is called the yuan. So this is uh, the first thing I want to show you. We're going to build out now the liability portion of the central bank's balance sheet. And I'm not going to go on log scale here. I will zoom in a little bit at times, but just to build it out, I'm going to still show you on linear scale. Okay, so notes the actual printed physical currency that the central bank controls i'm going to draw it right now you see this is quite smooth uh over the long term it actually did increase quite a bit here let's zoom in uh, you can't even see that really let's take off the total bumped a little bit over trend during covid more than it had been let's reset the zoom put the balance sheet back on the full balance sheet in general Okay, you can see that, um, and again, I don't want to go to log scale yet. Let's just go here. There we go. Zoom in now over uh, basically since the fall of the gold standard. Um, started the 70s through the 80s. You see that notes were the majority of the balance sheet. And you see also this little bump here. What was this? This was Y2K. This happened to central banks all around the world. People were demanding physical cash more than usual because of the fear of the Unix, the Y2K uh, bug, so-called bug scare. Uh, it didn't happen uh, or nothing happened that was too serious. But nonetheless, people took a lot of cash out before that. Uh, also here, the Fed's balance sheet spiked. Um, and this was because of the 9-11 attacks uh, in the United States. But you can see here clearly, uh, notes are the vast majority of the Federal Reserve's balance sheet. And again, uh, this represents cash that at some point in time they have printed, given to the banking system, in exchange for giving that to the banking system, they have purchased securities. All right, so I'm going to reset the zoom here. And notes were not always the dominant form. Okay, so let's go back a little bit. Um, here you can see it's much lower. All right, uh, this is when the Bretton Woods uh, conference occurred post-World War II. You can see notes here are not... Uh, the majority of the balance sheet. I'll show you a percentage soon. Um, Great Depression, they weren't the majority. And then you go back even to when the Federal Reserve opened its doors. There are notes here, but it's a vast minority uh, of their balance sheet. They had many more different liabilities to the banking system, which I will show you right now. And let's start here uh, at the very, very beginning. Remember, they opened their doors in 1914. I have my data starting in November 1914. This is weekly data. The second main component of the central bank balance sheet is bank reserves. And I'm going to draw that now. So here you can see that when the Federal Reserve first opened its doors, uh, money printing always occurs during wars. And in the United States' case, it occurred mostly towards the end of World War I when the United States entered uh, the war. Um, we have an increase in this reserve account uh, as well as the notes. Um, you see that the reserves didn't jump as big as it seems here because, of course, the notes jumped more. Uh, in this period, 
when they were starting to figure out how much money they would actually print. A lot of times economists joke that the Federal Reserve was just kind of figuring it out here, practice uh, in the first 20 years, uh, because of course they failed so badly at managing the economy during the Great Depression. Many people argue they caused it. Many people argue they didn't do enough. We're not gonna get into that here, but nonetheless, uh, you can see here that once you have, in the early years, notes plus bank reserves, that certainly is the majority of the balance sheet on the liability side. Again, assets equal liabilities plus owner equity in any business, in any bank, doesn't matter. This is the accounting identity. It goes back to medieval times, the Renaissance, uh, double entry accounting. With all of this money that they print, in some way, shape or form, somehow they have bought treasuries, government treasuries, typically government bonds. That is the asset that they hold. That is the total asset amount, which is in black there. Uh, but as far as the money, remember the money in any bank, central bank or any bank, it's located on the liability side of a bank's balance sheet. And here you can see it. Uh, physical cash, the darker green, bank reserves, the lighter green. And I haven't really fully defined it again. I've defined it in prior videos. What is the bank reserve? It's simply every bank in the system. It's their account with the central bank. This is often called the master account, the bank reserves or the, the main deposit account that a bank has with the Federal Reserve. So just like you and I have accounts with the bank, uh, the banks themselves have an account with the central bank. And that is how they net out their non-cash liabilities, i.e. their deposits uh, with other banks via the central bank. That is how they clear. We've had free market central banking before. There was a Suffolk Bank uh, in the 1800s in the United States. Uh, we've had other banks that can act as sort of clearing houses. You don't need a central bank. Nonetheless, this is how it's been working in the United States for the last 108, 109 years or so. And in many countries in Europe for a bit longer, uh, 200 years, 300 years in the case of uh, England, the Bank of England. So uh, this is just how it works. This is how banks clear their assets and liabilities, primarily actually not with notes, but with this reserve account. They're just, they refer to it as reserves. This is their account at the central bank. And when you add these two things together, it's nearly the entire balance sheet of the central bank. And it's also referred to as, I have it here, the monetary base. This is the monetary base, also known as base money, also known as central bank money, also known as reserve money. This is the ultimate monetary settlement in the banking system. This is how banks settle with one another, again, primarily through the lighter grain reserves. And then there is, of course, a public facing portion of the monetary base, and that is the banknote portion. That is uh, what you and I can hold in our wallets, and um, we can settle final settlement with anybody in the economy uh, using banknotes. So let's zoom out again here. Um, again, you can see a much more gradual, let's just zoom in over the last 90 years before the global financial crisis. Again, most of the time it was relatively gradual. Remember the trend lines, see prior videos for that. Uh, you can see here, and I'm gonna put now notes versus monetary base on the right-hand side here. You can see that indeed notes were very small when the Federal Reserve opened their doors trying to figure out what they were doing. Uh, they printed money at the end of World War I when the United States entered World War I as well as during the Great Depression. 
uh, this is physical money, physical cash, and during World War II. More than they had prior, at each point prior, they printed money. Um, and you can see how that looked as a percentage of total money or the total monetary base, which again is simply two things, banknotes plus bank reserves. So cash in the United States' parlance under the Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve note was actually basically nothing when they first opened their doors, practice, they were seeing what was going on, trying to figure it out. Uh, and after the uh, two world wars in the first part of the 20th century, after the Bretton Woods Conference, once they kind of got their feet wet, uh, physical cash actually grew as a percentage of the monetary base all the way until the global financial crisis. One other thing to keep in mind, uh, the monetary base typically also includes, what's that other type of physical currency that jingles in your pocket and probably annoys you more often than not? Coins. The monetary base also includes coins. In my prior videos, I showed you a monetary base figure that included coins on a monthly basis. That's also calculated by the Federal Reserve. But in the United States' case, also in England's case, also in a few other central banks' case, they do not control the issue of coinage. The issue of coinage is done in those countries, in the United States as well, via the mint, via the treasury. And that, of course, has to do with more historical ties, historical reasons, uh, in the United States Constitution, even to this day, it says Congress has the authority to mint and issue currency. So that is indeed done under the purview of the Treasury still coins. And of course, this gets even more complicated because uh, what was a dollar originally? Well, it was 375 grains of silver, uh, revised down to 371 grains of silver at some point. Uh, that's about 80% of an ounce. Uh, we had a silver standard when we started uh, the country of the United States of America. And then, of course, gold had a bigger role over time. And then, of course, paper had a bigger role over time. But nonetheless, understand that coins and, and then, of course, gold and silver declined in their usage of those coins over time. Of course, the United States Treasury still, the Mint still issues some uh, commemorative coins with memorable pictures, nice pictures of influential people, hopefully, typically do-gooders uh, in society uh, that you can collect and purchase. And of course, the value of those coins has nothing to do with face or par, what's actually written on the coin. It has to do with the actual monetary uh, fineness, the monetary amount of gold or silver in those coins. That's how it would be valued on the market if you want to sell it on. It has nothing to do with what's written on the coin unlike the legal tender coins, which every nation's mint issues to this day, which you know can be made of nickel, copper, bronze alloys, that has nothing to do with the actual amount of metal inside. We just trade those at par. And of course, that's the same case with notes, a piece of paper as well, they trade at par. Whatever the government says that is via legal tender laws is what it is, is what we have to trade it as. So this gets a little bit more into the history of money, which we'll explore further, but know that this is a slightly different monetary base. That is the combination of notes plus bank reserves here. This is a slightly different total than I've showed you before because the Federal Reserve does not control the issuance of coins. They do not issue coins. The United States Treasury does that, the mint, and that's how they get into the money supply, not via the Federal Reserve. Same case as the Bank of England, a few other central banks. 
however, most central banks in the world today have taken over coinage. So the Bank of Japan, Bank of Switzerland, uh, pretty much most other modern central banks in the world, the ECB, they will issue coins as well as notes, and you can find the monetary base, both coins and notes, on the central bank balance sheet. That is not the case for the United States Federal Reserve and for the Bank of England in particular, two popular central banks in particular. They only issue notes, the Federal Reserve note, that bank note, and they issue bank reserves. So we'll talk more about the craziness here. We're going to also talk about something else that you can see there's a gap here uh, in recent years. We'll explain that in the next video. And yeah, this is the monetary base on a weekly basis, on a weekly chart for the Federal Reserve. Thanks for watching.